There is a judgment greater than Anything you've ever known And it won't be long Your life will pass by as a vapor And you will stand before the judgment seat of God And every secret deed and thought Every wrinkle, every spot will be in view Before the one who knows all things The Lord of Lord and King of Kings You know the one you never knew While you have breath You have a choice to make in life Turn away from your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come He is the shelter from the coming storm All creation shakes at the mention of his name He has power over life and death Every knee will bow and tongue confess Heaven and earth will proclaim That Jesus Christ is Lord To the glory of the Father Will you bow, will you surrender To his majesty He can save you from the might of all your sin the fight in which he stands in perfect victory while you have breath you have a choice to make in life turn away from your sin and believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come He is a shelter from the coming storm While you have breath You have a choice to make in life Turn away from all your sin And believe on the risen Christ
can find peace in Him from the judgment that's to come. He is a shelter from the coming storm. He's the only shelter from the coming storm. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I was attending school my sophomore year in a boarding academy. I had just gotten my driver's license. I worked in the kitchen to help pay my way through this boarding school. And the assistant manager of the kitchen was a woman by the name of Johnsey. She was a wonderful, wonderful, kind woman. I loved her dearly. She was like a mother to me. And one day when I went into work after classes were all finished, she said to me, Raymond, I need to make a trip. I need to go to Berrien Springs, Michigan. I need to spend some time with some family there. But I can't drive. Would you mind driving me to Berrien Springs, Michigan? Well, that was a wonderful opportunity for me because I had a brother in college there, and I would love to visit him. So, It was arranged. The problem was I had never driven a stick shift car. I had driven the Farmall tractor. I knew how to shift the gears on a tractor, but I didn't know how to shift gears in a little Nash, tiny little car. So I called my dad, and he gave me instruction on how to drive. A simple H. Three speed. So the day came and we left Mount Vernon, Ohio, which is located between Columbus and Cleveland, right in the middle of the state. We headed for Berrien Springs, Michigan, and my whole attention was on shifting the gears. We came to the turnpike, we took the entrance. We stopped and got gas. We stopped and bought some snacks for us to eat. We talked together. We laughed together. And then she said something very disturbing to me. She said, Raymond, are we going the right direction on the Ohio Turnpike. I said, oh, yes. She said, I'm not sure. Well, we traveled on. We stopped a couple more times. She wanted, being an older woman, she wanted to walk around and stretch her legs. But then finally we came to the end of the turnpike, and there was a great sign. It said, welcome to Pennsylvania. Well, now, if you know your geography, 
you know I was headed the exact opposite direction of Berrien Springs, Michigan. I was shocked, and she was very disturbed. We pulled off, and I said to her, should we go back to Mount Vernon where we could sleep tonight, or should we just turn around and go all the way back and then all the rest of the way to Berrien Springs, Michigan? She said, I have to be there tonight. I said, okay. And we turned around and we backtracked many, many hours and miles. And we arrived at Berrien Springs sometime after 2 a.m. Now, I share this with you to say, when I was going the wrong direction, it seemed like I was going the right direction. We did the normal things you do when you're driving. We stopped and got gas. We stopped and got something to eat. We stopped at a rest stop and stretched our legs. We did all the things you normally do when you're driving down the road. I was watching the traffic flow. I was being very careful. But I was going the wrong direction. Now, how do I come to you today? And say to you, without having you just turn the broadcast off, how do I come to you and say, are you sure you're going the right direction? Are you sure you are going the right direction? Now, I've come to an absolutely impossible place in the book of Galatians. I knew we would arrive there, but I didn't want to get there too quickly because it's a very upsetting portion of Scripture. It's Galatians, the third chapter. You careless, you lazy, you foolish... Galatians, the word means all three, foolish, careless, and lazy. Who has deceived you or who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Christ Jesus was clearly portrayed as crucified. And you all have heard very clearly, and you believe that Jesus was crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Uh-oh. Now we're going to come to the road sign that says that the American church is headed the wrong direction. I could not arrive at Berrien Springs, Michigan, going toward Pennsylvania. I had to go the opposite direction. Now, can I be very clear with you? As an American Christian, you cannot get to the glory land of heaven going the direction you're going. There has to be an awakening. That awakening is going to be 
stunning to our minds and to our hearts. Let me read it for you. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Well, we have believed what we have heard. We have been taught. I've been a part of the church from the time I was about six days old when my mother took me to church the first time. And I've been there ever since. Did you... Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Well, I I believed what I heard. The problem is, I heard a lie. It says, did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? No, I didn't receive the Spirit. So the Apostle Paul is saying, look, you have received the Spirit, so let's begin from where you are, and let's look at where you're going. But I didn't receive the Spirit. And most of you, if you'll be honest with me, you have not received the Spirit either. Not the Spirit of Pentecost. Not the Gentile Pentecost. Not where you began walking in the power of the Spirit with signs and wonders, peace of heart, joy in the Spirit, being separated from the world. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law? No, I did not receive the Spirit. And I did my best to obey the law. What I heard would not lead me to the proper destination. It took me, in fact, the opposite direction. It took me into Laodicea. It took me into lukewarmness. It took me into wickedness. It took me into pride and arrogance and hardness. It took me into argumentation and believing I have the truth, and if you'll listen to me, I can tell you the truth, to pride and arrogance. Verse 3, are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? And if we didn't begin in the Spirit, and, and here's where it gets so difficult. The American church did not begin in the Spirit. You have not begun in the Spirit. And neither have you tried to attain your goal by human effort. You see, you said, we're not under the law, we're under grace. But you didn't begin in the Spirit. So you've been traveling, you've been going to church. At least some of you have been. You've been giving some tithes and offerings, at least some of you have been. You have been attending 
the sanctuary services. You've enjoyed the music. You've enjoyed the fellowship. Just as Johnsey and I did as we were traveling together, having good fellowship, singing songs of praise to Jesus. But I was going the wrong direction. Even though all of the things of travel, stopping for gas, stopping for food, stopping at rest stops to stretch our legs, all of that was going on, but it was the wrong direction. A direction that would not take us to the desired destination. The American church is not going toward the desired destination, that is, heaven. We are instead going the opposite direction. Jesus said, you're lukewarm. I'm about to vomit you out of my mouth. So there is a form of intimacy with Jesus, but it's false. It makes him sick. That's what's happening. Because we did not begin in the Spirit, and we did not obey the law. We said, we can be sinning Christians. We're good to go. We're on our way to heaven. But we've been on the wrong road. He said, did you receive the Spirit by observing the law? No, we didn't observe the law, and we didn't receive the Spirit. We have a form of godliness with no power. We're on the wrong road. Are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, but we didn't begin with the Spirit. So how do we understand what Paul is saying? We never started in the Spirit. We have a false gospel we've been taught. No gospel at all. And remember, in the first chapter, he says, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preached to you, let him be eternally condemned. But we heard a false gospel in America. And I I should not name names. But I'll tell you now, Almost every preacher in America is preaching a false gospel. It looks like it's good. It's, it has the form of a good gospel. But it's a false gospel. Because we never received the Spirit. And we didn't even give it very much human effort. Have you suffered so much for nothing? If it really was for nothing. Oh, we haven't suffered at all. It's been party time for the American church. This third chapter of Galatians is so troubling as it opens because it's it's clear we can't even begin to understand what's being said. It's like the bridge is out. We can't go any further. We're going the wrong direction. And many of you have just camped out where the bridge fell. And you've set up your your church there. It's called the Broadway. And you say, you know, Pastor, I don't know what to do. I recognize this is not right. There's something wrong here. I can't tell you how many Christians say to me, 
Pastor, where's a church that teaches the real way to heaven? Well, that's an amazing question because I don't find churches teaching the right way to heaven. Now, I'm not setting myself up and saying, I've found the right way. I'm saying, I am not the right way. I, too, have gone the wrong direction. But I'm reading the scriptures, and I'm seeing that I can't identify with what Paul is saying until I discover there is another way to gain righteousness. Righteousness does not come from the law. It does not come by denying the need for righteousness by saying that Jesus has imputed his grace to me. That is, I can be a sinning Christian, which is another total lie, another false gospel, another false road. Well, you can't lose your salvation. Well, I never had it until I really found Jesus. I'm hoping that you don't just turn this off and go away. I'm hoping you stick around and listen carefully because I'm going to show you the utter lie that has taken the American church into a place of grave danger and destruction. Verse 5, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law or because you believe what you heard? Well, if we believe what we heard, we don't have any miracles. In fact, the church leadership, particularly Calvinists, say there are no more miracles for our day. Why did they say that? Because they don't have any miracles. Why don't they have any miracles? Because they took the wrong road. Does God give you his spirit and work miracles? No, God has not given the American church his spirit. And no, in the modern church in America, he doesn't work miracles. Maybe once in a long while, but no, not really the work of Pentecost. Does he give us these things because we observe the law? No, the American church doesn't observe the law. The American church is full of fornication, full of adultery, full of lying and cheating, full of sexual impurity, abortions, homosexuality. Does God give you a spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law? No, we don't observe the law. Does he do it because you believe what you heard? No, because we heard lies. So what we've heard, what we've experienced as the American church has taken us totally off the narrow path and put us squarely on the broad path. And now we have great churches built on the broad way. And pastors are piling up as much brush as they can. They're building the biggest buildings they can possibly build. They're going in debt. They're doing everything to run this business called church. And they're not pastors. They're CEOs. 
They run a business called church. And they're apostate. Okay, Pastor. Paul says, let's consider Abraham. All right. Let's consider Abraham. But let's expose the lies about Abraham. I'm going to read you this short portion from Scripture. Galatians, the third chapter. Consider Abraham. He believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand, then, that those who believe are children of Abraham. The Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you, so those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. All who rely on observing the law are under a curse, for this is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one is justified before God by the law, because the righteous will live by faith. All right, let's look at that very carefully. He believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. This term, credited, is an accounting term, and it's a very exact term. My father had a business when I was a child. He had a a store. It was the W.T. Raleigh Company. Spices and all kinds of things. Things farmers use. Insect spray and treatment for cows. All kinds of things. And for the woman, the best vanilla in the world. The best spices. Okay. What does it mean, credited to him as righteousness? It literally means inventory was taken of Abraham's life. Now, what is inventory? Every January, my father and my mother worked together for many, many hours doing a complete inventory of all of the Raleigh products that were held in his room. We had one room in the house that was the store. That was the Raleigh room, it was called. And Mother would have a sheet with every item made by the W.T. Raleigh Company. And Dad would go through shelf by shelf by shelf by shelf, and he would give, okay, we have 20 vanillas. We have 10 allspice. We have, and Mother would write down on that worksheet every possible item that was in that storeroom, in that store. Then mother would go through and calculate 
how many of everything was there. And then the price would be worked out on those items. And it was in this way that they were able, if there was shrinkage, or if a product was no longer good, it had been on the shelf too long, those things could be subtracted from the tax that dad would owe for that year. And he was not taxed on the items that had not been sold that were still on the shelf. So it was of absolute necessity to have an accurate picture of what dad's store looked like of what the dollar worth was in that store of actual physical items. It was not make-believe. It was not estimated. It was exact numbers. Now, it says, he believed God and it was inventoried to him as innocence, as righteousness, All righteousness means is innocent. In other words, it was a very accurate count of Abraham's life. Understand then, verse 7, that those who believe are children of Abraham. To believe in the Greek is to be totally connected to. It is not an intellectual understanding. It is a a connection that is absolutely sure. The scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. Again, I want to go back to that word justify. And this is where the lie and the false road begins. Literally, to justify is to make righteous, to make innocent. Not by forgiving your sins by having them disappear into a declared righteous state, but to actually have them removed. To forgive, aphemy is the Greek word, it means to lift up off of, it means to remove. The scripture foresaw that God would make righteous the Gentiles, by faith. Okay, now, listen. Let me try to say this. You cannot enter into the presence of God with sin. Adam and Eve were shown that in a very dramatic manner. They lost their home. They lost their source of income. They lost everything because they sinned. Romans, the sixth chapter, the last verse, the wages of sin are death. Okay. How do we move then from being condemned before God, deserving of death? Well, we can try to keep the law. But they weren't able to keep the law. They were declared righteous, meaning the sin was not removed. It was covered over until the Messiah came. And when Jesus came, retroactively, the sins of King David, of Solomon, 
whoever had repented. Those sins are now lifted off of them. They repented, and Jesus now has removed them. But I want you to notice he did more than just remove the guilt. You see, keeping the law didn't make them righteous. Pretending that they were made righteous did not make them righteous in reality, and God does not lie. So there has to be a third way, the highway to heaven. And that highway to heaven is where, by faith, I put my total confidence in Jesus Christ, and he comes in and crucifies me, and he makes me righteous in reality, so that my righteousness can be inventoried. I'll show you. Watch this. In the book of Genesis, we have the story of Abraham. And if you recall the story, he did not go to the promised land by himself and his wife as he was told to. He took his father, who then stopped them in Haran, a place of delay. He went on toward the promised land, but he took with him Lot, which he was not to take with him. When he got to the promised land, there was a famine there. And in the famine, he said, we're going to have to go to Egypt. So off to Egypt he went, and there he betrayed his wife and said, she's my sister. And so Pharaoh took her as his wife. Now he didn't touch her. God protected her. And he caused such physical destruction that Pharaoh finally figured out that he'd been lied to, and he ran Abraham out of the promised land. He made him leave. He kicked him out. Very embarrassing. So we could walk through his trying and his power to have a son because God had promised him a son. But he took the Egyptian slave woman, Hagar, and tried to produce, and he produced a donkey of a man, Ishmael. What I'm saying to you is that Abraham messed up time after time. But still, in the midst of all of this, in the midst of all of this failure, he is being made righteous by faith. And finally, God had to do a test. He had to take an inventory of Abraham's life. Genesis 22. Now it came about after these things that God tested 
Abraham and said to him, Abraham, here I am. He said, now take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac. Go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, of which I will tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and he split wood for the burnt offering, and arose and went to the place where God had told him. Remember, this is God inventorying Abraham's life. Inventorying Abraham's life. He's been made righteous by faith. Was that righteousness just imaginary righteousness? No, it was real righteousness. If it had not been real righteousness, God would have cast Abraham out. You're going to be tested by God. You're going to be inventoried by God. And if your righteousness is a false righteousness, you will be cast out and into the lake of fire. Listen. Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, in verse 7. This is Genesis 22, verse 7. And said, My father, here I am, my son. Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. You know, it's interesting if you read Hebrews, the 11th chapter. It says that Abraham reasoned that God would resurrect Isaac if necessary. Because he knew God's word was sure. And he was not going to turn aside. He was going to walk it out. And you're going to have to decide the same thing. Abraham said God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. So the two of them walked on together. And when they came to the place that God had told him, Abraham built the altar there arranged the wood, bound his son Isaac, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. What? The ultimate test. Hmm. Abraham loved his son Isaac His son Isaac was everything to him, but God was greater than his son. The angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, here I am. Do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him, for now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Oh, wait a minute. God has inventoried Abraham's life. He has taken a careful count. And he has found that Abraham is righteous. 
is justified, has done what God asked him to do. Abraham raised his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him, a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham called the name of that place the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it will be provided. Now I want you to hear what the Lord himself will say about Abraham. The Lord is going to need to say the same thing about you if you are going to enter into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this thing and not withheld your son, your only son, Indeed, I will greatly bless you, I will greatly multiply your seed as the stars of the heavens, and as the sand which is on the seashore, and your seed shall possess the gates of their enemies. Seed, that is Jesus. In your seed, in Jesus, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. Now, if you think, if you think that you can be saved in your sin, you are on the wrong road. And you are hellbound. It's very clear. Consider Abraham. He believed God. And it was inventoried, credited to him as righteousness. In other words, the inventory was complete. And he was innocent before God because he did what God told him he must do. Understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. The scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. The Gentiles were going to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus by faith, by being crucified with Jesus Christ. And God would do that work in their hearts. Clearly, no one is justified before God by the law because the righteous will live by faith. This is not dead faith. This is active, living faith that calls us out of this world, out of wickedness, out of uncleanness. I spoke to a woman this morning. She's living with a man she's not married to. I said, aren't you a Christian? Oh, yes, I am. Then there's a problem, isn't there? A big problem. But see, she's been taught that she's on her way to heaven. But she's not on her way to heaven. She's walking in disobedience to the commands of Jesus. 
She's not on her way to heaven. She's on the path right now to destruction. Oh, but pastor, she loves this man. I said to her, then tell him, no more sexual activity between us until there's a ring on my finger. She said, oh, whoa, I'm going to send him to talk to you. I said, aren't you a Christian? Yes. No, you're not. You've been deceived. You're walking on the wrong road. You're going the wrong direction. If I say to you, look, I have to make a trip to Florida. So I'm going to take Route 95. And I'm going to go north. Toward New York City. Will I get to Florida? Of course not. Do you understand? The kingdom of God has rules. It is a real kingdom. There is authority. There is power. There is power to judge and cast into hell. There is power to make you righteous. There are rules in the kingdom of God. And if you think you can just live however you choose, being absorbed in the world, being absorbed in the television, absorbed in the movies, absorbed in all of the wickedness of Hollywood, if you think you can be absorbed in the football and baseball and all the other professional sports, if you think you can live the normal American life and you don't have to come out and be separate from them, you're on the wrong road, mister. You're going to have to turn around. It's going to take time for you to turn around and go back the way you came from. It's going to be a painful trip, but you've got to do it. And you've got to cut off those things that are of wickedness by the power of the blood of Jesus. Listen. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. You're going to have to receive the promise of the Spirit. And to receive the promise of the Spirit, you've got to be on the right road. And you have to in your spirit say, Oh Lord, crucify me. Separate me out to yourself. I'm no going I'm no longer going to going to love the things of this world. John said in the book of First John, Don't love the world, the flesh or the devil. It's that simple. You're going to have to become a real follower of Jesus, not a follower of a church, not a follower of a pastor. You're going to have to read this scripture for yourself, and your eternal destination will rest on your reading this scripture, understanding it, and obeying it by the blood of Jesus. This is real. This is not imaginary stuff. 
There has to be a radical transformation in every person in America who calls themselves a Christian. They've got to get off the broad road and get on the narrow highway. The way of grace, the way of righteousness, the way of truth. Oh, we'll we'll go work out at the club. We'll go do this. We'll go buy good food. We'll even go buy organic but not obey the Lord Jesus. You understand? We're going to have to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to have to begin walking in Jesus Christ. Verse 19, what then was the purpose of the law? It was added because of transgressions until the seed, that is Jesus, to whom the promise referred had come. The law was put into effect through an angel by a mediator. A mediator, however, does not represent just one party, but God is one. Is the law therefore opposed to the promises of God? Absolutely not. For if law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. But the scriptures declare that the whole world is a prisoner of sin, so that what was promised being given through faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. This is talking about a real experience. It is not talking Disney World fantasy. It's talking about coming to terms with the reality that I must walk as Jesus walked, that I must dwell in Jesus Christ. Faith is not something I work up. The faith that is effective is the faith of Jesus Christ, and he is willing to give us this faith if we will humble our hearts and repent before him and walk away from our sins. He will give us the strength to walk away from our sins. That's all the time we have for today's broadcast. Denise, a fellow traveler, has asked if we could pray for physical healing for her today. Would you all lift up your hands to Jesus? And would you join me in praying for healing in Denise? Lord, I lift up my hands to heaven, and I ask for a total and complete healing right now in Denise's body. Lord, let healing flow from on high. And we say in the name of Jesus, be healed, Denise. We say in the name of Jesus, the devil cannot afflict you. I rebuke him in your name, Jesus, and by your blood. And you know what Denise needs today to further her walk with you, to further where she's going with you. Lord, would you pick her up and would you carry her in the name of Jesus? 
and we will praise and worship and honor you, Jesus. Thank you. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We're coming right down to the end of the month. And my eyes are on Jesus. I am trusting him to pay for this broadcast. We are far from being where we need to be to pay for the radio for this month. This is this is with a bill, a radio bill exceeding $4,000. We're not there. Donations have been extremely slow this this month. Some of you have been very offended by what I've been teaching. I don't apologize for that. Would you write to me at National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You can also go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, nationalprayerchapel.com. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. Of his glory.